And as we acknowledge him today, today's message will be just a little different from what I normally preach. I want you to go back to Deuteronomy 33. I was there on Wednesday night. I preached out of the 25th verse on shoes. And uh, I want to continue on with the next couple of verses that I stopped on Wednesday night and deal with a little bit about my heavenly father. Can I tell you about my father this morning? And uh, it has been in some ways a challenging week. Uh, And I, I know that there's weeks like this in the ministry. There's weeks like this in churches. Uh, It just seemed like it was one tragedy after another this week, people facing one challenge after another this week. Uh, I think on one day alone, I think I dealt with four people that were suicidal in one day. And uh, I tell you, it's a plague in our land. And I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that to make anyone feel bad because we all need help from time to time and we don't know where life can take individuals and they go through challenges. And uh, when you have a ministry, the nature of our ministry, uh, I, I'm, I know a lot of people are embarrassed to maybe go to their, the people in their church, not because their church is weak, it's just they wanna go somewhere detached to be able to talk to someone and to find the help or the channels and whether that be that we try to point them on to others, first we point people to the Lord. That's the most important thing. But then with all of the deaths this week, uh, the funerals this week, and uh, just there's just weeks that are more challenging than others. And I had planned to preach a different message. And for some reason, uh, yesterday, Candy and I had to be in Dayton, Ohio, and we got back from the event there at Dayton uh, early evening. And the more that I thought and through the night, several weeks ago, I had jotted down some precious thoughts that God had touched my heart with. And as I thought through the night, back across this week and reflected with Father's Day, that would be here today if the Lord would allow me to stand in the pulpit. And I couldn't help but keep thinking the same thought. My God is so good to me. We don't have stress-free life. We don't have trouble-free life. But I'm telling you, God is good. Years ago in the ministry, they used to sing a song that was very popular. They sang a song that, I have a father who can. And it described a little bit of God's ability and groups sang it all over, the, all over the country really, but especially here throughout the Appalachian region. I have a father who can. And we do have a father who can help us in times like this. When we face things, you'll appreciate your heavenly father more when you face things than when everything is just fine in life. And I think that really that's what he was reflecting on after he looked at what God had done for them and the promises of God. When he gets to verse 26 of Deuteronomy chapter 33, he makes this statement. There is none like unto God of Jeshurun. The Bible says, who rideth upon the heaven 
in thy help and in his excellency on the sky. The eternal God is thy refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms and he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee and shall say, destroy them. So today I want to take just a little bit of time since he says there's none like unto the God of Jeshurun. Now, let me just point this out. That name's not a familiar name. That is a biblical poetic name for Israel. So really what he is saying is there's no God like the God of Israel. There's none like unto him. You, you can do anything you want to do and try to compare all of the religions of the world and I promise you, you'll never find anyone like God. Nothing compares to him. You can't find anyone. Now, it doesn't say that there's not other gods. People will make gods in their life and, and they'll find something to worship and somebody to worship. He's not saying that people can't choose other gods. You can choose gods. That's evident throughout the, the Bible. There were people that had to make the choice which God they would serve, the true, the living God or a false God. There's, there's even Satan that is the God of this world. But he is not the God. My God is better than their God. Father's Day was a time where we used to say, my dad is better than your dad. My dad can do what your dad can't do. I know before the pandemic, it used to be common in churches where that we would receive, receive offerings, you know. And one day after church, three or four little boys got together and they started comparing their dad on Father's Day. And one said, hey, my dad's better than all y'all's dad. Said, my dad is a surgeon. Said, he can perform an operation and in a matter of hours, finish with it and make thousands of dollars. Next little boy spoke up and said, my dad owns corporations and said, in a matter of time, he can sit down at a closing and sign his name and sell businesses and make millions of dollars. And the last little fellow spoke up and said, that's nothing. My dad's a preacher. And when he finishes preaching, it takes eight men to carry the money out. But I want to tell you, there's nobody that can compare to our heavenly father. Our God. Now there's a lot of religions in the world and a lot of people even have confusion just this week. That was the problem with one individual I spoke with and they, they said, how do you know that your Bible is right? How do you know that your God is the right one to serve? And, you know, they are correct. There's a lot of religions in the world. Do you know there's 4,300 religions known of in the world right now? There are 12 major religions that have different gods. There are five, five of those 12, that have the, the that 75% of the people of the world practice the religion of just five of those. But I want to say, my God 
my God is the God. I, I, I couldn't help but think as I, a few days, few weeks ago, because I said I'd already thought about some of this and it was just, I just sketched some things down but hadn't prepared to preach it this morning. But I, I went back and did a little study about how some people have to serve their God. Do you know in India there, is, uh, there are two major religions that both practice this. They take their children between the ages of one and two years of age. They climb a tower that is 50 feet tall and they take their child and throw them off that tower, 50 feet. And there's men standing at the bottom of the tower with sheets that they trust those men to catch that child. And they believe by doing that, their child will be luckier and healthier in life. I'm glad that's not my God. <laughs> there are individuals that, that are involved in one part of the world in a religion that they have what they call sky burials. When their loved ones decease, they, they actually uh, cut pieces from their body and take it to the mountaintop because they believe that if birds come and consume the flesh of their loved one, that their loved one will go in the sky. I'm glad that's not my God. There's people years ago that uh, used to believe in their religion. They would take care of lepers and they would work in these leper colonies. And they believed that if you were really serving the right God, their God, they assumed to be right, that if you would go in a leper colony and you were really holy, you could lick the sores of a leper and not get leprosy. I'm glad that's not my God. There's multiple religions that believe they gather, one group gathers 10,000 at a time. They walk the streets and they beat themselves with leather straps and chant hymns. And they say that by doing that, that they are pleasing their God. I'm glad I don't have to beat the blood out of myself to serve God. Do you get the idea? There's a lot of different a lot of different religions, but I want to base this to you. Plain and simple, my God's greater. That's what he's saying. There's none like the God of Israel. And by the way, the God of Israel is my God and he can be your God. And he says, whosoever will, they can come. There's no God like the God of Israel. You'll discover from these other religions because we serve this God, the other religions, they don't have a book like we've got. They don't have a hope like we've got. They don't have a loving God like we've got. They don't have a resurrected savior like we've got. They don't have a sure way to heaven like we've got. They don't have a Holy Spirit that indwells them and fills them like we've got. I'm telling you, my God is greater than their God. Their God, you can't meet their God. You can't talk to their God. You can't have a relationship with their God. And a lot of their gods you can't please. But that's not my God. Their God won't help you. Their God has never created anything. 
Their God has never sustained anything. Their God has never, never continually provided everything that's needed. He is the protector, our God is, of our soul, of our life, of our well-being. I'm telling you, my God's greater. My God says he has a throne in heaven and I can sit on it. Yeah, he said, I can sit on it with him and you can too. He says he has a mansion in heaven and I can have one too. My God, my God is better. See, here's the thing. People will say, well, if we could just get all the religions of the world to come together, and, and here's the new philosophy. You're all just the same no matter what religion. You're all just the same. And what you need to do is find a way to come together and find out what you have in common and don't talk about anything else except what you have in common. Well, that sounds, that sounds good on paper. But the only problem is when it comes to their gods, I don't have anything in common with them. If we could get them together and say, okay, let's all be one. I'd have to ask the question, do you have a savior who died for you? And they'd have to say, no. I'd say, do you have a God that has power to raise the dead? They'd have to say, no. You say, preacher, you believe God can raise the dead? Oh, yes. And by the way, God's going to raise all the dead that are his. One day when the Lord himself descends from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. My God has power to raise the dead. The dust shall sing again when the trumpet sounds and Jesus comes. All of those that sleep in Christ will rise to meet him in the air. My God has has power to raise the dead. Does your God have the ability to create anything? I mean, has he ever created a star? Has he ever created a moon? Has he ever created a sun? They would have to say, no. My God not only created the stars, he named every one of them. You ought to understand that, don't you? Candy and I have a little tiny koi pond in our backyard and we love that koi pond and we have our koi named. We can tell you each one of the koi by name. Blackie is the only one that will, I can feed him from my hand. The others still shy away and we get attached to them and I thought, that's just a few fish in a pond. But my God created billions of stars. Never ran out of names. Named them all. I'd have to say, uh, what about your God? Can you ever hear from your God when you pray? I wouldn't want a God that, you, you know, a lot of them, they talk to their God, but their God doesn't answer them. You can talk to my God 
and he'll answer you. My God is greater. By the way, do you have a God that gave his son that died for your sins? Some of them want you to give your son to die under their God, but my God gave his only begotten son to die for my sins. So my God is greater. Not only did he say my God is greater, but he went on to say that, that my God rideth upon the heaven. My God is not only greater, my God is higher. Well, how do you get that, preacher? Well, if you ride upon something, that means that if you're riding on a motorcycle, the motorcycle's beneath you, or you hope. If you're riding on a horse, the horse is beneath you. He's saying, my God rides upon the heavens. That means the heavens is beneath him. Why would somebody wanna worship the sun or worship the moon or worship the stars when they can worship God that is higher than the sun, higher than the moon, higher than the stars. God is higher. He's above all. My God is better. My God is higher. My God is greater. Well, why would you say that he's better? Well, he goes on to say, in thy help. We have a God that comes to us to help us when we need him. Now, I don't want you to take this wrong. Everybody has the right to choose which God they'll serve. I'm just trying to tell you, my God's greater, my God's higher, and my God's better. I've traveled many parts of the world preaching the gospel, and a common thing around the world are idols. People will put up large idols, statues. I'm glad that my God's not a statue. My God's better. Why would you say that? Because if I would get sick today and they'd have to rush me by ambulance to the hospital, they're not gonna take your statue with you but I can take my God with me into the ER, into the operating room. My God is with me when my eyes are closed and I don't know what's going on. My God is with me when I lose consciousness. My God is with me when I'm not aware that anything else is there. My God never slumbers. My God never sleeps. My God never fails. My God never makes mistakes. My God has never done anything wrong. My God has never done anything but love me. My God says, you don't have to come to me. I'll come to where you are and I'll be there when you need me the most. My God is better. My God is greater. My God is higher. My God is better. My God is stronger. Well, where do you get that from the text? Well, look in verse 27. The eternal God is thy refuge. Look at the word refuge. Underneath are his everlasting arms. Look at the word everlast, words everlasting arms. And he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee and shall say, 
destroy them. Look at the words, destroy them. My God is stronger because his strength allows him to be my refuge. If you're looking for a safe place, a safe place, you want a place that is more secure than where you're at. If you're looking for a place of safety, you wanna go to a place where someone stronger or the facility is stronger. If a tornado came, they'll tell you the safest place to go. Out in the Midwest, they have shelters for the storms and tornadoes that pass over. And they'll tell you a safe place to go because you wanna go somewhere that is stronger and safer than where you're at. And God is our refuge, the Bible says. That means he's our safe place. We can go to God in safety and have the assurance that he is always stronger. If he wasn't stronger than the storm, we wouldn't run there. If he wasn't stronger than disease, we wouldn't run to him. If he wasn't stronger than cancer, we wouldn't run to him. If he wasn't stronger than evil, we wouldn't run to him. We're saying we wanna go to a place that we're safe. We need a refuge, a shelter, a place that we're safe. All around the world this morning, there are refugee camps, but the truth of the matter is, they're they're really not named properly because some of those camps are not always safer than where they came from. Sometimes there's evil that's there. Sometimes they don't have adequate food there. Sometimes they wind up in a worse condition than where they started. But let me say this to you. When you run to God for a refuge, you'll always be safer. You'll always be more secure. You'll always have more needs provided. You'll always have exactly what you're looking for, strength and power. When we don't have the power to make it, he gives us the power and he gives us the strength because my God is my refuge. A shelter to run into. Not only is he a refuge but underneath are his everlasting arms. His everlasting arms. Isn't it good to know when you get to the place that you can't hold yourself up underneath our arms strong enough to catch us. If baby eagles refuse to get out of the nest after a period of time, the mother or the father will throw the child, the little eaglet, out of the nest. The little eaglet is terrified, but what the little eaglet doesn't know, should it refuse to fly, it doesn't realize this, but its parent can fly faster than it can fall. That means it can catch it before it hits the place of harm. There's times in life that we feel like we're free falling, but let me tell you, God is faster than you can fall. Life may pull the rug out from underneath you and you may feel like I'm falling into a place I've never been before, but God can fly faster and be there faster. And when you need him, he's there to help you. My God is stronger. 
He says, fear not because I give you a refuge and I have everlasting arms. But he said, just in case you don't remember, remember this. He said, I'll thrust out the enemy from before thee and say, destroy them. Now, your enemy today, regardless of what you may believe, it's not a person. Your enemy today is the devil. And right now, you come to the Lord and the Lord thrust him out of your heart. But he's still involved in your life. He rules a kingdom of darkness and wickedness. You don't believe it exists? Just listen to the news. Wickedness exists, evil exists. But there's coming a time when the Lord's going to say, (laughs) destroy them. I don't know about you, but I can't wait for the time when I get to sit on the grandstands of glory and hear the Lord say, binding, casting into the bottomless pit and we'll never have to worry about him again and it'll be destroyed. Now, it's not destroyed now, but he'll rule until he put all enemies underfoot and the last enemy that shall be destroyed is the enemy of death. We have hope in life in Christ, but there's coming a time we'll go to a place that death will never come again. Destroy them. How are you going to make it? What are you going to do? Preacher, how do you deal with people that have all kinds of heartaches and problems? I point them to my father. My God. Now, I'm not saying that he can't be your God or that he loves me more than he loves you. No, he'll, he'll be the same for you that he is for me. But you're going to need him. I'm so glad Henry Collins, his family's here. Hank, God bless you, brother. His dear wife, Janetta, God gave her so many additional days that I think the family will agree wholeheartedly with this. It had to be the Lord that allowed her to live as long as she lived after her health condition revealed that really there was nothing else they could do and dialysis had stopped and not to go into a lot of details, but she lived for days beyond the projected. And today I went back and gave Hank a hug and I don't want to embarrass you, Hank, but you had no idea what I was preaching, but it blessed my heart when you said it. I told him, I said, I love you, Hank. I love your family. And it's a trying time. And he hugged me and whispered in my ear. He said, preacher, all these years, she's been talking to him. But now, face to face, she sees him. She wanted to come to church. Every time I'd go out there, uh, one of the last days that she was responsive enough she was watching one of the services and, and I was preaching and I said, 
Janetta, you need prayer for your taste in preachers. And she just laughed. But she loved the singing. She loved, she loved church. She loved the preaching. She loved the services. But nothing can compare to what Father's Day in heaven is like. If we honor our Father, how much do you, you think we're going to honor the Heavenly Father when we stand before Him? Is He your God? Is He your Father? Father?